0: john 1 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god and so john starts because he's starting to talk about jesus and tonight tonight we're going to be talking about in the godhead series we've, we've dealt with the mirror between between the family and and the godhead how these are like if you under we should be able to see see god and understand god through the through the family structure, but because sin entered, entered in, there's a lot of brokenness in family relationships that caused us to have an incorrect perspective about God. It, it caused us to become hurt in the way we convey God. Uh, so, so with that brokenness, uh, we we we've, we've fallen into some into some uh, some malfunction, some family dysfunction uh, when it comes to relating to God. And so, like I said in the beginning, uh, Genesis one. Uh, uh, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered. We see the Spirit of God hovered over the deep water, and the Bible says, and God said, we see God, we see the Spirit, right? And then we see that God says something, right? And like I said in, in John 1, 1, he says, "In the beginning was the word. The word, word there is actually actually the Greek word uh, logos, and this means something said, Something spoken forth, right, and, and so uh, so it's it spoken forth with intent. So God said, which was spoke Logos, and the Spirit of God uh, revealed what it was that God had said. And we talked about how that when you look at uh, the Father, like like He is the origin, and out of Him comes springs forth uh, the Holy Spirit, and out of Him springs forth. Uh, Jesus Himself. At the time, it wasn't Jesus; he, he was the Word. But the Word has always been God. The Word hasn't always been Jesus, but it has always been God. Amen. So, so before there was ever a a man manifest, we had a we had a a Word, and this is what John is talking about in John one one. He says, in, "In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God." Right, uh, and the Word became flesh. The next verse. Verse 2 there. Uh, and the same was with God in the beginning. So, so we know that Jesus is that word. Uh, but we're dealing with, with, with it from the perspective of, of, of what word is. Now, And what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to show you Jesus. And I'm trying to show you in the construct of, of a family. Forget about family. Family hasn't been created yet. We see God on the scene in the beginning. And he's doing what a family does. Right? The Father speaks first forth a word, and the Holy Spirit. The word "move" we said last week. We talked about the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to move? It actually is the word. It means to brood or to incubate. So we get this. There is a, and for some of you that weren't here last week, there is a maternal uh, re- uh, referencing when you when you're dealing with the Holy Spirit, right? And so, so when we see the Holy Spirit, what is the Holy Spirit? He is, he is brooding the spirit of the Father. This is the part of the, Father, of the Godhead that is the maternal nature of the Father. There's the paternal nature, which is fatherly, and there's the maternal nature. And it takes both to create. So this word, the word word, like I said, it's the, it's the Greek word logos. But Jesus gives a parable, forth a parable. And in this parable, uh, in Luke chapter 8, you can read Luke chapter 8. He says a sower goes out and he sows seed. Some fell on good ground, some fell on stony ground, some fell among thorns, you know, some, some fell on the wayside. And he's going through this whole parable and he gets to the end of the parable. And so the disciples come privately and they ask, him, well, what does this parable mean? And Jesus said the sower sows the word. Now this word seed, see, because he's talking about seed, the word, what does it say here in Luke, uh, Luke chapter 8 verse 1? Verse now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. So, so the word seed there, in, in this particular context, that word is not exactly sperma, but the word seed, what a seed is in the Greek and, and in, in our everyday uh, uh, concept, a seed is just a sperma. Like if I were to hold up an acorn, what do you see? <clears throat> imagine me holding, a, I don't have one, I thought about finding one, but imagine I'm holding up an acorn, what do you see? You just see a seed. Well, what God sees is he sees a full-blown oak tree. But this is a sperma. This seed is a sperma of an oak tree, right? And so when it's sown into the ground, it, it, it then brings forth life, right? So, uh, so the word is the sperma of God. So God, imagine this now. There's this picture. I'm talking about a family, this family thing. God is creating. So what does he do? He then, God, the Father, speaks forth the sperma of God, the word of God and john said that was jesus in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god amen so and he speaks forth the word of god and what this and now you've got this spirit the maternal nature of the father who is brooding or moving upon the face of the deep because he's about to create the part he's about to create the things that god is speaking jesus is the word god is speaking forth when god wanted something he spoke forth a word but the whole, it was the holy spirit that brought to that created or incubated or brought forth life and god and so when you see the family the family is the direct, direct mirror of what God is, because God wants you. If you want to understand Trinity, you have to understand that, you have to understand mankind. When God created man, He created man, both male and female. And When we talked about creation, the word "create" means to bring something from nothing. So he's not talking about a body here. He's talking about their spirit. When He created the spirit of man, it was both male and it had both the maternal and paternal, all in one. So then when he built this body for Adam, he put that, that dual nature inside of this body so, and gave him dominion. So now he's given dominion. To the woman, spiritually, she's equal to the man. And he's given them both dominion at the same time. They both have dominion, right? Why? So that then as, as this one man who has both natures begins to name everything, everything he named, he took ownership of. That's how you take authority over things. You find out what the name of it is and you give it a name. You call it by name. This is how we name. This is a, when I want to call out in a crowd, I can say, hey, you, and, and no one will, will come to attention. But if I call a person by name, if I say Roderick, Roderick will know I'm speaking to him. Not that I'm taking authority, but he just knows I identify who he is. Does that make sense? I've identified him out of everyone else. Nobody else in here is named Roderick, and so he's going to assume I'm talking to him, right? And so in the same way, as he begins to name all the animals, all these things, he's bringing, taking these things under under authority. And they're both doing it within this one man. And after he's done this, God says it's not good for him to be alone. It's not good for you to be to be, to be be one. To be one by yourself. So what's he do? He takes the rib out. Puts him in a deep sleep, takes the rib out, and, he, and he, he basically builds another body, the counterpart. This is the picture of the Holy Spirit. Because where does he take the woman from? He takes her from the rib, right? Where's the rib at? It's in the side. Well, the Holy Spirit, actually Jesus calls him in John chapter 14, calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. The word comforter in the Greek is the word parakletos. It means one called alongside to help. So you see the Holy Spirit is doing for us what the woman was built to do for for the man because she is a type of the Holy Spirit. She is the maternal nature of mankind. I mean, am am I making sense here? And so I'm saying this because I'm, I'm and there's and if you go back and you listen, I don't, I don't know if you recorded it, but uh, the recordings from from the, from the, the Holy Spirit last week, you'll see these parallels. And so today we're dealing with Jesus. Like, you know, the father, right? We dealt with him first. We're dealing with we've dealt with the Holy Spirit last week and we just proved out that it was the maternal nature of the father. And because how you relate to the Holy Spirit has been directly impacted on how you relate to your mother i said if you if you get to a situation where you like maybe maybe my mo- mother just she had high expectations for me i never could do anything right it was very it was very stressful and I'm, i was under a lot of judgment then you're going to interpret the holy spirit as being this very punitive uh never can ad- high expectation never can attain just never satisfied you know that kind of a that kind of a dysfunctional relationship with the holy spirit based on how we were brought up because our our parents in in, in it's subconscious and instinctive to to relate to, to them this way. But God in Jesus, Jesus is probably the, the son is probably the most relatable for all of us. Cause none of us are really threatened by our, by our siblings. And so first thing I've got to do is I got to prove to you that Jesus is not your father. Jesus was not designed to be your father. Jesus literally is your brother. Whoa, see? It was hard enough to say, hey, you know, the Holy Spirit is the maternal nature of the Father. We got through that last week, and none of us, uh, the lightning, we got thunder tonight. Y'all kind of like, whoa, hey, hold up now. (laughs) Hey, hey, hold up now. Don't you go too far. I got, I hear some thunder going on outside. Last week, we didn't have no signs of rain, but you know, (laughs) no, I'm just kidding. Okay, so, uh, so with Jesus. Do you know that? we you know spiritually speaking, not physically? Physically, the physical pattern of mankind is the is the pattern that's patterned after the after the spiritual pattern of God. So so spiritually, we have been parented by the same parents. Okay. Go to Luke uh, chapter one. I, I just pulled one verse. Luke chapter one, verse thirty five. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm going to paraphrase what's happening. I'm going to set the scene for you, and then I just pull this scripture so that you would, so that you would see uh, how Jesus was brought about. Uh, here, Mary, Mary is being visited by an angel. The angel comes to her and says, "Hey, you're going to conceive a child." She goes, "How can I do this? Knowing I don't, since I don't know a man, I've never been intimate with a man. How can how can this be?" And so, then the angel begins to explain to her in Luke chapter. Uh, one verse thirty-five. He says, and the angel answered and said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall shall come upon thee, and the power of the Most High shall overshadow thee. Therefore, also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Now, now this woman, she has. There's no man involved, so there's no seed that's coming from a man. And so the holy spirit is coming up on coming up on her and she's conceiving by the power of the holy spirit by the power of the holy spirit. God is divinely causing her to conceive, right? And so and this child, who is the father? That's the question because whatever seed she's re- receiving from, that's the father. And we know that this is the, this seed is is the is the is the seed of the father. Now God God projected this. I mean, he prophesied this in Genesis 3:14. He says he says uh I, I'll put. It, he's talking to the serpent. He says, "I'll put enmity between you and the woman, between her seed and your seed." Well, first of all, women woman don't have seed because in the Greek, the word seed is sperma, right? We talked about what do you see when you see an acorn? This is a sperma of an oak tree. A sperma of a man. There's sperma of watermelons. There's sperma of, of cats and dogs and and chickens. Each one, inside of itself, has every, the seed is within itself. And so when God overshadows her he puts the seed of God within her. and this is not an and this is not a this is not abnormal you understand Jesus is not an abnormal normal person why because because if God gives seed to woman he just produces another man because that's how Adam came about he, cre- he created in his own image and in his likeness this is just the method through which he had to bring Jesus because in the beginning he just created him They didn't have to go through this gestational thing, right? Because God just spoke forth the sperma of God, and the Holy Spirit brought to life the thing that that, that God spoke forth. And so so we see that life came by what God spoke. But I'm saying in this time, because, because once the machine of creation began to have to come through mankind, God had to go through the channel of the way he created man to reproduce. And that is, I have to overshadow a woman. I've got to divinely give her a seed that is not from... The fallen seeds of men, so that I can bring forth a human being. So, Jesus was one hundred percent like Adam. He was physical. He could think. He could hurt. He could be tempted. He could. He was. He was a man. He was created to be a man. Right. And in John three fourteen three, uh, John three sixteen says, uh, "For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son." Do you know that in John three sixteen in this? point in the story, the narrative, Jesus is the only begotten son of God. But we've continued to think Jesus is the only begotten son of God. There there will never be any more after him. No, he was at that moment the only begotten son of God so that he would eventually multiply himself. I told you before, Jesus is speaking of himself when he he says to them, he says, lest the corn of wheat go into the ground and die, it abides alone. And so I was saying, like, if you plant something, if I plant an acorn in the ground, what comes up? A maple tree? An oak tree comes up. Is it possible that anything other than an oak tree could come up? Not possible, right? Is it possible that it could be different? The thing that comes up can be different than the thing that actually, like, in some way be genetically different? Not once it's sown. The only way you can genetically alter a seed is you have to do it before you sow it in the ground. Once it's sown in the ground and it germinates, there's nothing more. It's going to come up what went down. And Jesus, if Jesus, if a son is sown in the ground, he's saying, talking about himself, lest this corn, of we go in the ground and die, it abides alone. When he sows this into the ground, what comes up is what? Multiplied. You sow a son, what you get come up? Sons. Sons and daughters. There's nothing possible that can come up other than that. If God wanted servants and slaves, He'd have sown an angel. An angel would have died, would have died and gone in the ground, and it would have produced what what God. But God's intention was that He sowed Jesus, so that He could raise more like Jesus, in every way, or just in some way. In every way. So, so we see Jesus. He he is he is he is, he is Parented, in the sense of production, he is parented by the Holy Spirit. It's almost like Mary was like a surrogate. But he was parented by by the Father. Boom, comes to to life. Do you know that in the same way Jesus was born, you are born again? By the same Spirit that Jesus was born, you are born again. Let's go to it. John chapter 3, uh, 5 through 8. It says... And Jesus, this, Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. Nicodemus then slipped out about a night. He coming in and trying to find him. You know, man, you know, I've been watching you. And these miracles you're doing, can't nobody do that unless, you know, God is with him. I mean, you know, you're probably looking around. I'm a Pharisee, you know what I'm saying? But I'm, I, I see you. I see what you're doing. This is like, this, this, ain't, this ain't normal. Like, I, ain't, I ain't trying to miss this. I see you. I, I, I know who you are, right? So Jesus says to him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. But that which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. Now, why did he say this? He's saying this because Nicodemus asked him, he said, Nicodemus, like, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And he said, what, do I go into my mother's womb a second time? He's talking physically. So, no, he says, no, that which is, which is flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is, is spirit. So Jesus is speaking spiritual rebirth. So, how is he? How are, how are we born again? That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of what spirit? Is it the same spirit that Jesus was, was brought into the world by? Is it the same spirit, is it the same spirit that created, that, that brought about? Because listen, the Holy Spirit is the one who, who brings life. So he brought Jesus to life. And then he brought you to life. And guess what? You're not even the same anymore. See, because the part that the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away and all things have become new. So listen, you're you're not even the old person you used to be, not spiritually. God didn't renovate your spirit that was dead before and just brought it back to life. No, he gave you a whole new spirit. It's a whole different nature. You're a whole different creature. You're a new creation. You're not the old creation. And I'm not talking about your mind. That's the soul. I'm not talking about your body. See, your mind and body, they do what they—they they do things instinctively based on the things they've always done. So you're probably still sinning, still doing the stuff you was doing before, and you're struggling not to do that. Because you, now you just basically you just feel bad now that you do the stuff that you shouldn't be doing. But guess what? That, that mind is not you, and that body is not you. But the new creation, the thing that is created new and different is that you have now the Spirit of Christ. The Bible says that if a man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he has he is none of his. Listen, do you know you have the spirit of Christ? You have the same spirit that Jesus had. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, A new heart will I give you, and I will give you a new spirit. Now take out the heart of stone that will, and put in a heart of flesh within your flesh. Then the ver- next verse, Ezekiel 30, 36, 27 says, Then I'll put my spirit in you. So sometimes we get confused between the Holy Spirit and your spirit. But guess what? They're both Holy. They're both holy. Why? Because the Holy Spirit can't give birth to unholy spirits. So if the Holy Spirit produces something, not only is it going to be like Jesus, it's also going to be like the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit is called holy, don't call him holy if you, if you don't think you're holy. Because what you're saying is you're saying, oh, you're saying that the Holy Spirit can bring forth a spirit that's not holy. And then you got to work up yourself into Holiness. No, because the Holy Spirit is holy, your spirit is holy. Your struggle is not with the, your spirit, uh, the instinct of your spirit, but the instinct of your flesh. Okay. So, so Jesus, uh, because we're both born the same way. Listen, we could not be born again. Matter of fact, no one in the Old Testament was born again. Matter of fact, they all went into, now there's, there, there's various words, Hebrew words for, for hell, but they all are translated hell. All the Old Testament saints went to hell. You say what? David went to hell. It was a place called Sheol, but it was still it was still in hell. Hell was like there's a place called Sheol, and it was like it was also it had other names. That, you know you had the bosom of Abraham, paradise. It was called a uh, place of rest, uh, Abraham's bosom. But this is all still in the waiting area. Why? Because. They couldn't go to heaven until the Lamb of God had come and actually been sacrificed because it's it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away their sins. So until Jesus, the Lamb of God, who took away the sins of the world, like John said, came and actually died, they could not go into heaven because their sins had not been atoned for yet. They had only lived by the type and shadow of the sacrifices that they were making that that pointed them to Jesus. But until they actually happened, they they had to go into hell and wait. And they waited there. You say, where do you find this in Scripture? In Psalms chapter 16, David makes a statement. He says, The Lord shall not allow my soul to remain in hell, which is Sheol in the Hebrew, Hebrew, neither his holy one to see corruption. The first part, he's speaking of himself, he's not going to allow my soul to stay in hell. And he won't allow the one who comes to redeem me to see corruption. You know, Jesus' body, they say after a man's been in the ground for four days, he's, he starts to decompose. That's why that's why Lazarus' Lazarus's resurrection was so was so uh, amazing. You know, Jesus was in there for three days. So his body never saw corruption. But yet they never saw his body when it came out because it was different when it came up. The body that came up was a resurrection body. I don't want to go there. Heck, could get so good. So... uh so you have been made like Jesus. Do you know, let's, let's look at Jesus. When Jesus was born, Jesus didn't have to be born again. And when he was born, he was born holy. Meaning his spirit he was spiritually alive from day one. The problem with us is we're not spiritually alive when we're born. Like, like we may be, the law may not be held against us. We may die in our innocence and go to heaven still. But what I'm saying is that you're not born again, so you don't have the nature of God. You don't have to tell a kid, uh, you don't have to teach a kid how to, how to smack another kid and take a toy. You don't have to teach them how to lie. You are going to teach them how to bite each other. You know, you ain't got to, you ain't got to teach them to, to, to be possessive and envy the other person's stuff, steal some things. Like, these are just, this is just inherently in the nature of, it's in fallen nature. Does that make sense? They're not guilty. It just means that just in the nature of their spirits, they're like that. And until they come to a point where they actually can choose Jesus... They don't get a new, they don't get the brand new spirit. They just, they live under innocence, right? Because the Bible says before the law came, sin is not imputed to man. So at a point where a child didn't understand law, they're not, sin is not imputed to them. Okay, so I'm gonna put that to rest. I don't want people to think, oh my God, I could get my baby baptized because I want my baby saved and not, you know, christen my baby. No, I'm saying they're living under innocence, right? So, uh, so Jesus The way that Jesus is born, you're born. Jesus comes into the world, he is fully alive spiritually. When you got born again, you're in the same state that Jesus was when Jesus came on the scene. When Jesus was born, he's living his life the first 30 years. If you're just saved, you're just like Jesus in his first 30 years. When Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, what happened then is now the parent spirit, the Holy Ghost, comes upon him and he's now anointed now. He has the Holy Spirit. And he goes from just having authority to having power because the Holy Spirit came upon him. And so once we've been spirit-filled, guess what? You're just like Jesus. After you, Once you get receive the Holy Spirit, like, you can get born again, be Jesus' status the uh, first 30 years, and then, and then the next second receive, receive the Holy Spirit and be just like Jesus when he, was, when he was baptized in the River Jordan at age 30. And look at this. This is crazy because, like, you got all the equipment Jesus had when he was here. There was nothing more than that. All the miracles that he did, the signs, the wonders, all that he did because he, was, because he was a man born born of the Father, which is what happened when you got born again, and then he received the, he received the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he received power. Because what did he say to you? He said to you in Acts 1.8, after the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you shall receive power and you shall be witnesses of me. So the same way it came upon Jesus in the river Jordan, he's going to come upon you. And he said that was the anointing. Behold, the Lord, uh, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me. Right, because it came upon him. He said, "After the Holy Ghost comes upon you, you're going to be anointed." Amen. So, I, I'm, what I'm doing, you saying, "What? Are you, why are you, where are you going?" I'm trying to show you just the, just a straight parallel between you and Jesus right now. Y'all thinking y'all need some something more to do great things? Jesus said to them, "You know, his disciples weren't even saved until Jesus died." He can as long as as long as I'm here talking to y'all, man. This thing is just like. You're just standing at the door. You picture, you're just window shopping right now. You can't do what I'm doing until I'm gone. He said, but I'm gonna send you a comforter, talking about the Holy Spirit. And he said, these things that I do, you shall do and greater work shall you do because I go to the Father. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is gonna come. The same spirit that causes me to function in a supernatural way is gonna come upon you. And it's not gonna be limiting you just to what you've seen me do. You're gonna be able to do greater. So he said, why aren't we doing it? What you don't know, you can't manifest. That's why it's so important. Until you see yourself as much the son of God as Jesus, you will not do what Jesus did. Because, because you'll always be like, man, I need I should have prayed more. Man, you know, I know, God, I was watching Netflix. I should have been like praying and fasting. And that one day, I know I ate that cheeseburger. I started to fast, but now I got hungry. And so... I just, man, I know I need to read my Bible more and stuff and get prayed up. That ain't, that don't impress devils. That don't affect devils. That affects you. Why do you fast? You fast to get your body under control. You read your Bible so you get to know who you are. So when the devil says, who are you? You don't say, well, uh, I come in the name of of the God whom Paul preached. Man, because we don't know who we are, the devil runs roughshod rough shot over us. And so until – I'm, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to bring you face-to-face with your brother. When I look – the bad thing about it, I don't have any siblings that don't have the same father. So I'm trying to think, like somebody – anybody got siblings that got the same – got the same – yeah. Oh, man, I'm Canada's is a prime example. Man, all boys. And when they look into the face of each other, they see, they see their father. And they're all the same. Now, how they perceive themselves in, the, in, 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 in individuality has nothing to do with whether they're equally brothers, equally uh, born of the same mother and father. And yet, here we are, born of the Holy Spirit, right? God is our father, and we see ourselves different than Jesus. I think I, I in my right now in my spirit I, I sense that I haven't proved to you yet that 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 we are equal to Jesus. That's that's where it is. Okay, all right. So uh, Jesus has become your big brother, right? Once you got born again, once you just died on the cross, you could be saved, right? Uh, he he's become your big brother, and I'm not talking about the conspiracy theory one. You know what I'm talking about? I was like, big brother, watch out now, big brother. You see them cameras on the pole? Watch out now. Yeah, you know, forget it. All right, y'all missed that one. All right. <laughs> Mark chapter 3, verse 32 through 34. This is one example. And the multitudes sat down about Jesus. Now, let me lay this out real quick. Je- Jesus is in here teaching. And as he's teaching in this room, his, his, his mama comes and his brother, they stand outside. See, they, they really actually thought he lost his mind. So they come in to get him. We don't have to come get him, boy. He didn't lost his mind. He got this Messiah complex. Let's go get him, right? They didn't necessarily, I'm not saying Mary didn't. But, he you know, his brothers didn't necessarily believe in him until later. You know, James was his brother, didn't believe until later. They seen him, it's like, oh, man, I don't know. We see him doing these miracles, so he's doing something, but we don't really see him like God, right? So it says, and behold, the multitude sat down about him, and they said unto him, behold, your mother and your brother are, are outside looking for you. Seek, seek for thee. They, they are, and I'm, I'm, I'm translating here. They seek for thee. And he answered and he said,
1: who is my mother and who is my
0: brother? And he looked around about him uh, on them, which sat about him, and he said, behold, my mother and my brother. So he's like, like you imagine your mama coming out and saying "Like man, who is my mama and my brother? I mean, <laughs> my mom would have freaked out. I said, "This is my mother and brother right here. This is my family right here. This is, this is how Jesus is, This is what Jesus is basically saying. Like, like, man, those who do the will of my Father, they my they my real family. I gotta bring it to the streets for y'all so y'all understand that, that Jesus was showing out right there, right? But he was he's essentially saying to them, like, these that are around me, those ones who are the ones who are following me, because listen, they're just one step once I'm crucified, man. This is my family. These are literally gonna be my these are these are my father's offspring, right?" And so he, says, uh, so he says to him, look around. These are my brothers and my sisters. Okay, now Jesus, he was, the only, he was the only son, right, who became the first of many sons. So he was the only son, but he became the first of many sons. So remember me talking about Jesus was no, after, John 3, 16, he was the only begotten son because he was still alive. But once he died on the cross, he was no longer the only begotten son. He was now the firstborn of many sons. And then so this scripture is in uh Romans 8 29. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed into the image of his son, talking about God, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. What was God trying to do? When he sold Jesus, what was he trying to do? He's trying to make Jesus the firstborn of many brethren. Right? In uh Hebrews chapter 2 verse 11 it says for both he that sanctifies talking about Jesus and they who are sanctified are all one for which cause that's why for which cause that's why he's not ashamed to call them brethren see because we're in Christ we are sanctified set apart holy to God we are the we are the father's offspring Man, I could prove this over and over now, but I would just exhaust the issue. How many times Jesus prayed for you and said, hey, I'm not going to pray for y'all no more. Don't come looking for me to pray for you. But anything you ask the Father he'll in my name, he's going to do it for you when I'm gone. Right, because while he's trying to get you passed off to the Father so that you then speak to God like you speak to him. I'm going to send you a comforter so that you speak to the Holy Spirit the way that, I, that, the way that, that you're talking to me. I know you're comforted by me right now. You're comforted by the fact that I'm here and that I'm taking care of everything. And I keep putting these Pharisees, you know, uh, keep uh, 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 insulting or making these Pharisees back down from us. (laughs) I know you comforted because I'm here. because I've been handling things. You see me heal the sick and there's like nothing that we've encountered that I haven't been able to take care of. But I'm telling you that when I leave, I'm going to leave you. I'm going to send to you the thing that I've been using, the equipment that I'm using, the same power that I'm using. See, Jesus came fully as a man, not as God. Now, he was God, but he came as a man, stripping himself of every possibility that he could operate in God power. So what he did was now he was, he was now indwelled by the, by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, which is the Spirit of the Father, did the, did the miracles. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that produces the miracles, so that He could be fully man and fully understand what you're going through, so He could be your High Priest, so that He could function. He could He could have pain. He could be hungry. You know Jesus was hungry. You know Jesus feared. The Bible says in Hebrews that how He feared greatly when He was when He was travailing over whether or not to go to go to the cross tonight. The Bible said He feared. You know that He was that He got hungry. He got hangry. <laughs> There was time Jesus was hungry and he just he was short-tempered. There was times you woke Jesus up out of the middle of a sleep because it was a storm. What y'all waking me up for? The Bible said he had laid his head on a pillow. I mean, I don't know if there's pillows in a in a boat, but he found something to make a pillow with. And when he's like, Jesus, wake up, don't you care, man? We drown in this boat about to go down. What you doing? And Jesus says to him, Where is your faith? Like, what you wake me up for? If he asks you where your faith is, that's like saying, Why are you waking me up trying to use my faith? You should have dealt with this. I was asleep. <laughs> were times Jesus, like when the, when, the, when the multitudes he just fed them the 5,000, and they' go show up, they didn't travel and got in boats, which means they had to have some money to get to the other side where he went to, found him again and said, "Well, how did you get over here?" He said, "You ain't come over here looking at me because you wanted to hear what I had to say because I was going to feed you. That's why you're here. <laughs> y'all ain't read this Bible long enough to see there were some times Jesus was like Jesus was, man, I got to go up in the mountain y'all, y'all be tripping." <laughs> I'm just trying to make him human for you, because listen if Jesus is not fully fully human then he then then you cannot be fully him if he can't be fully you, you can't be fully him so he's trying to bring himself down to the he brought himself to our level yet without sin. the Bible says he was tested on every point yet without sin. Can you imagine bringing yourself down to the brink. That I could, but I won't, because I got, because I understand what's at stake here. I mean, for him to 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 sweat drops of blood, trying trying not to change his mind about going to the cross. I mean, this is what a rubber meets the road. You imagine you got down here, you in the, you out here, you got your boys. Like man, y'all sit here and pray with me. Man, I'm stressed out right now. I'm about to go over here and I'm gonna pray. You come back, they sleep. I'd be all kind of in my feelings right there. No, you ain't sleep. You'd be thinking, boy, I should just. If he like me, he would have been like, ooh, I I had some water right now. I'll throw it on y'all. <laughs> y'all ain't from the hood like I am. And I'm just... <laughs> we make it. see, King James make it so nice. Couldn't you just at least have stayed up with me one hour? Hour. <laughs> you know, the English people are really proper. They proper even when they get mad. But, you know, Americans, we ain't like that. We, especially when you get off in them trenches with us. You know what I'm saying? That's like, man, we're going to hurt your feelings. We'll die. We'll pet you later. But no, you sleep. You can't stay with me for an hour. <laughs> I don't want to go there, man. I'm just trying to make Jesus, I got to make him real to you. I got to make him, I got to make him like, you know what I'm saying? Because listen, if Jesus is that big brother who's better, you're just a stepchild. If he's unattainable, if he's unreachable, you just looking at him like Jesus, like you know Jesus. We all sleep on the floor, but Jesus, he sleep upstairs in the bunk bed up top. He got a he got a suite up there. We all down here in the basement. Jesus got God got us down in the basement. We all sleep down here where the crickets and the and the and the uh, where the roaches and stuff is. I'll be serious, man. You know what I'm talking about. This is true. And yet the Bible says. That Jesus, that you are seated with him, because his intention was not to be, was not to put himself above you. In John 15, 15, he's, they, because they have a slave mentality, and we're going to deal with this probably next week. I want to deal with the, with, the, with the orphan spirit. But because they have a slave mentality, they're serving Jesus like, oh, master, master, master. Oh, master. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants. John 15, 15. I no longer call you servants, but I call you friends. When you bring a person to friend level, you're bringing them, you're bringing them to your same level. It's like the closest thing next to brothers. Like if we can't be brothers yet, we can't be brothers yet because I ain't dead. We're not, we don't have the same parents yet. But I no longer call you servants. I call you friends because the servant doesn't know what his master's going to do. But because I'm telling y'all what I'm going to do. Because y'all my, y'all my friends... Jesus made them so equal, he brought them to the same level. He didn't lord over them. He was Lord, but he didn't lord over them. Why, because he taught them how to be servant leaders. The greatest among them, they was like, man, who's greater? I think I'm greater. So they battled among themselves. Nobody thought they was greater than Jesus, but they thought they could be greater than each other. Man, I'm greater than you. Like, I know, man, I get all, I can hear Peter. I get all the answers right. John, you just be all, you just have your, you just always be leaning on Jesus and stuff. Hey, man, like give him some room laying all on his chest and stuff like that's weird. (laughs) Can you imagine this? Matthew is just so he was so defeated because, you know, he used to be a tax collector and they hated him anyway. You know, his name was Levi before. But Jesus, when Jesus encountered him, you know what he does? He turns and changes his name to Matthew. He goes from you sorry sucker, which is what Levi, his name. I don't know if that's what it meant, but that's what that's what when you heard his name (laughs) because he was because he was a snitch. A tax collector, they hated him. Everybody did. The priests hated him. All, all holy people, unholy people, everybody hated him. And he just, like this, I'm just making a living. Jesus finds him. He calls him Matthew. Matthew means gift of God. He calls him gift of God. Jesus so believes in his people, he calls Judas as, his, as one of his disciples and made Judas, who had a problem with money, the treasurer. You say, why would Jesus do these things? Because he's trying to show you, I'm going to show you what grace looks like in the face of your broken personalities. I want to show you what, how do you deal in grace with somebody who is your, who is in your inner circle, who has a problem with a certain thing. I trust you with it because what I'm declaring is you're worth more than anything you could ever steal from me. Man, can you see this? There was times, I'm sure, he affirmed and he lifted up Matthew when Matthew thought to remember the fact that, you know, people really don't like me, you know, because, I, because of my occupation before. But Jesus seems to always have, always, you know. And you know what? You can look at Matthew's gospel, and Matthew's gospel is highly... It deals with the, with the legalism, and it confronts legalism. Read Matthew's gospel. He look, talks about how Jesus... Like he, how he, how he dealt with the Pharisees when the Pharisees would come with these, they'd have something to say and then Jesus would say something else. Matthew's the one who says, who says, man, if your arm offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out, right? Why is he saying that? People think that that Jesus is telling us to do that. Really, Matthew was trying to make the point that Jesus was saying this to these people who thought they were keeping the law and who were trying to, he knew they were failing at it. And he says, because I know you're failing, let me help you. Since you're going to try to live by the law, let me help you out. I know your hand keeps offending. Just chop that mug off. You'll make it to heaven. If you're going to live by the law, the best thing to do is chop your hand off. Because then that hand can't offend you and you can actually keep the law. Oh, your eye. You can, oh, so you have having a problem looking at them women? You are, uh, every time you turn around, it's just like you, your eye running like that. Just pop that mug out. If you're going to live by the law. Because he's trying to point him to grace. He's actually... I keep wanting to use the word clowning them. This means to make a fool of people. He's trying to get you, you're failing at this. You think you're doing this? You ain't doing it? None of y'all are keeping this law and yet you hold others under it. Because he's trying to point them, I want to, I want to convince you of sin. The Bible says the law made all men guilty before God. That's what the law should do. If you don't look at the law and then feel bad because you're not doing it, then the law ain't doing its job. But Jesus comes and he says, but if you live by me, you have eternal life and you and you and you and you, you receive my righteousness and not the righteousness that you're trying to attain through the law. Now, I'm just talking about Jesus. I'm trying to bring Jesus's purpose. I'm trying to bring his purpose. I'm trying to bring him parallel to you. I want you to see that you and Jesus. that His intention was to make you one with himself. To make you stand with him. As sons, as much the son of God, you know that you are as much the son of God as Jesus is. You're as much the daughter of God as Jesus is right now. Not because you do good, but because you believe in him. For as many as believed on him, he gave them the power to become the sons of God. Do you believe? Do you need some extra things to do besides that to to, to get this thing? Or would you like it to be as easy as Jesus intended it for it to be? No, it's just believing those who believe are not condemned. But those who believe not are already condemned. Why? Because they, they didn't believe in Jesus. The Spirit of God convicts the world of sin. John 16. The, the Spirit of God convicts the world of sin. And of righteousness and of judgment. Of, of, of sin because they believe not on the Son of God. God made this thing simple. He gave you a law. You couldn't keep it. And then he sent Jesus so that you would abandon the law and the old covenant and go into relationship with Jesus so that you'd have eternal life. And then once you do that, he says, that's not the end. Because we're thinking, we just trying to get into heaven. If I believe in Jesus, then I get to go to heaven. And that's been the end game. we got churches full of people just trying to stay saved until they get to heaven. When God didn't come to just to save you he, and to get, get you into heaven, but he came to get heaven into you. Because why? Because now I'm seated with Christ. There's some other stuff that came with that. And I think what's happening, man, we haven't had the tour. We made it in the door, and we got a lot of people sitting out in the foyer at this new place called, called the kingdom of God. And nobody has taken them and given the tour. Hey, oh, you didn't know you was righteous already? Oh, you're trying to keep from falling out the door. Oh, I get it. You think somebody can come in and just yank you out? Jesus said, I have you in my hands, and no man shall pluck you out. What shall separate you? You think you got in there by works when you actually came in there by love. So what shall separate you from the love of God? It's the love of God that's holding you in place. It's the glue. You're not even just in there. You're sealed in there. Man. So Jesus is the firstborn of many brethren. He's not only the firstborn of many brethren, but he's also the firstborn from the dead. You know right now you're walking in eternal life. Let's take the tour. You're already... Walk in eternal life. You have eternal life right now. Welcome to eternal life. You're now an eternal spirit having an earthly experience. You thought you had to die to go to heaven and see how this thing going to out, pan out. To see if you actually get to be. I had somebody tell me one time. Nobody going to know if they really saved till, this, till they cross through. You can't say you saved till you cross through them pearly gates. I was like, first of all, you in them pearly gates. You didn't heard somebody's preaching. They talk about some pearly gates. And you got these. You, 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 everything you're saying is like sound bites from something you heard. Have you actually read the Bible for yourself? Because in the word of God, right? Those who believe have eternal life. And if I have eternal life, then I'm already walking in eternal life right now. I've already been judged. That's the tour. That's the next part of the tour. Guess what? You've already been judged. Which means there's no judgment waiting for you. Well, wait a minute. What about, what the white, what about the white throne judgment? That's for unsaved people. That's for people who died and never heard of Jesus. You are not waiting to be judged. You have been judged because you are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, you live. But the life you now live in the flesh, you live by the faith of the Son of God, not by your faith. The one who loved you and gave himself for you. Jesus did that. Hey, my brother did that, y'all. Y'all don't want hey, you don't want that smoke. So, my brother, y'all don't. I just wish you knew him. Man, I wish y'all knew Jesus. <laughs> I wish I knew what he really did. Did you know you already justified? That means you. It's just as if you ne- justify, like just as if I'd never say, sinned. You say, but I'm still sinning. But you're not a sinner. But I'm still sinning. But you're not a sinner. You know, I asked my I asked my wife one time because I know this because because we, we were we were growing together in this journey. And I asked her. I said, Wait a minute. So if we get born again, and we be, so we become righteous, right? He who knew, who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be the righteousness of God in Christ. So we have been, righteousness imputed to us. Like we didn't earn it. It's our, it's been given to us because we believe, right? She goes, yeah. I said, so if I sin, does that make me a sinner? And she said, yes, it makes you a sinner. I said, no, it don't make me a sinner. A righteous person doesn't become a sinner by sinning any more than a sinner becomes righteous by doing righteousness. Let me say it again. A righteous person cannot become a sinner again by sinning any more than a sinner can become righteous by doing right. Otherwise, why did Jesus die? The Muslims get in, because they, listen, I promise you, they more they got more discipline than you do. They pray more than you, they fast more than you. They even turn to the east when they're when they praying. Y'all just get it, y'all don't even get on y'all knees no more. <laughs> why am I saying this? I'm saying to you, like you still trying to find salvation through methods that Jesus—that was part of an old covenant. This is what Jesus is doing for you, for us. He's made you righteous. I'm already righteous. You know you're already holy. Some of you are trying to be—I'm gonna teach holiness, y'all. I'm gonna teach y'all. Y'all need to be holy. First of all, you know, good job with the bun back there, sister. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I already, <laughs> set an example in here for what. No, I'm just kidding. But. She's going to kill me later. <laughs> <laughs> but, but because we think that a dress code is holiness. It's not holiness. It's not ho- you can't do anything outward to be holy. Because the, the body will never be holy. It's not meant to be holy. Your body is for one purpose and it's to be a sacrifice. Jesus understood his body could sin. But he himself as a spirit did not sin. He kept his body under subjection. Because his body had one purpose and it was meant, to, it was born to be sacrificed. And your body is the same. It's just born to be sacrificed. It's meant to be used as a beast of burden to bear the burdens of people and to just love people. Listen, you want to prove you love God, then love the thing he loved. You want to prove you love God, die for what he died for. What, what can you give him that's going to make him, going to impress him? Lord Jesus, look, man, ooh, I gave you my last dollar. You see that? That's how much love I got for you. I, I, I donated a million dollars to, to Jesus today. He's not impressed. What do you need a million dollars for? Change a life. Bring a, bring a person from, from darkness into eternal life. Now you're doing something. Love on them. Spend some time with people. Pick up somebody on the side of the road that needs something. Help them with a flat. You need, do what just sacrificed. Jesus bled his life out. If he didn't start bleeding once he was sacrificed. He was bleeding out his whole life. All of his energy was just being expended out on people because he was carrying his cross and he said to you, he says, pick up your cross and follow me. What does that mean? Well, you know, Jesus, you know, they talking about you when you go to church regularly and that's what it means to carry your cross and you like to read your Bible. And no, Jesus ain't impressed by none of that. You got to give big offerings. No. That, that means grab your cross and, and use it like I used it. Die for what I died for. Because look, the greatest news ever is that me and Jesus are equal. But the most pitiful thing is that me and Jesus don't have the same agenda. So if you see me saying I love Jesus, yes, I do. I love Jesus. <laughs> you see me saying that, then you need to watch my works. You don't see me loving people? <laughs> I'm just a sounding brass. I'm just making noise. A clanging timbre. You might as well just have them symbols over and just... Just bang on them symbols because I ain't saying nothing but noise. My job is to be like him. I am because I am made like him. Because I am Jesus. I want you to look at me and say, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Man, you see me mistreat some people. Man, you need to put it on the news. I'm fully vested in this thing. You see me talk crazy about somebody, and you put me on a new, put me on blast. Because listen, when I get the revelation that me and Jesus, that Jesus saying like I'm, now he said to them, you're no longer, I'm not gonna call you servants, I'm gonna call you friends. But you know what, later we find in the scripture, I don't know where it is right now, but it says, the Bible says, it says, you are no longer slaves or servants, but you are sons. I know brother John can find it. He got, he got that ability. You're no longer servants or slaves. You are now sons. You're no longer friends. Man, if a, if a friend knows what his master... Well, if a friend knows what his friend's going to do, that was the upgrade from servant. I'm not going to call you servant, but I'm going to call you friends because uh, a servant doesn't know what his master's going to do. But a friend knows what his friend's going to do. How much more will a brother know? There's stuff I won't let my... There's stuff that my friends don't know that I would reveal to my son. Because he's family, God is trying to bring you to this place, and this is not a, this is not a new thing. This is a return to the thing that God originally intended. Because Adam is as much the son of God as Jesus. Adam and Jesus paternally are the same. Are they are brothers paternally? Right? You give them both a paternity test. They both came out of God. Both of them created in the image and likeness of God. It, it's. I'm having another grandbaby tomorrow. Hallelujah! Tomorrow morning, praise God. I'm, ooh, I'm excited. But that baby is gonna look like his parents. You're gonna give him a paternity test, and going that baby Dawson Gentry LeBlanc is gonna have her daddy's DNA. You know you have the, you know you have God's DNA. Now I'm not talking. I use DNA. I know I'm using a physical thing to try to talk about spiritual stuff. Do you know that you, that you and God, that Adam, in Adam was created every man. If he tells Adam before the fall, go and reproduce, he blessed him and said, you mul- multiply and replenish the earth? He was talking about through, through reproduction. So which means every, every human being was inside of Adam, was seed inside of Adam. And so every human being that exists today came out of Adam except Jesus. You came out of Adam. That's why you struggle with sin, because when Adam sinned, you died inside him. But do you know that Adam was the son of God? Look at Luke chapter 3, the very last verse, boring genealogy, just like Matthew. I know I say this so much. My guys could probably quote this stuff, too. Noah, the son of Lemek, Lemek the son of Methuselah. Methuselah, the son of Enoch. Enoch, the son of Jared. Jared, the son of Mehelio. Mehelio, the son of Canaan. Canaan, the son of Enos. Enos, the son of Seth. Seth, the son of Adam. Adam, look at that, the son of God. Luke chapter 3, 38. Which was born of Enos, which was the son of Seth, which was the son of Adam, which was who? So Adam was the son of God? So was he a, Was he the same son of, as the son of God as, as Jesus? Of course. He's created in glory. Matter of fact, Jesus didn't come out of the womb shining like Adam came out. Yet inside of Adam, you were inside of Adam. So when God created Adam, he created you in glory and dominion and power. And when you came out, you were, you were in him, so Jesus is just returning you back to the place where you were made to be. This is not an afterthought. We think, oh man, you're trying to make yourself like Jesus, boy, that's heresy. No, it's not. It's the original thing. It's right there in the scripture. How do, you, how do we miss this? So Jesus is coming back. Jesus has not always been has not always been a man, but he has always been God, so why would God become a man? Why would God become a? He's always been God, but He hasn't always been a son. Why would us? Why would God become a son? So that He could bring sons back to glory. Oh, come on, man. My big brother, and I'm using that because I know I just, I just, I need you to hear it enough to where, the, to where the, the, that feeling goes away. That you say, oh my God, he keeps saying that. Ooh, that just don't sound right. He trying to make us like. I mean, I could say some worse things that religiously would cause you to almost, you know, go into convulsions. But it's true, nonetheless, and it's good news. You want to do the works that Jesus did? You want to do greater works than Jesus did? Think of how you think of yourself now, and ask yourself: Do you think you could ever do what Jesus did, based on the way you're thinking before? No, I can find reasons why now, man. I ain't gonna confront no devils. Shoot, I done not done some stuff, man. I didn't do the right stuff. Me you and know, my wife got an argument before I got here. All these things that we think somehow touches the spirit. Does the spirit of God become unholy? No, oh, it didn't origin. It didn't originate with you. Your righteousness don't even originate with you. How can you mess up something that you didn't? That you, if you didn't make it, how can you mess it up? How can you destroy a covenant that you didn't, you didn't initiate the covenant? God made it, when the Bible says when God could, when he could not swear by any greater, he swore by himself. You know, God swore with himself to bring about a covenant that you became the beneficiary. That's why you're more than a conqueror. Not because you had to do something to conquer, but because he conquered for you and he turned around and gave you the check. All right, let's move on. We are now also the sons of God right now. That's that's the part of that tour. Guess what? You're a son. Guess what? You're justified. Guess what? You're righteous. Guess what? You're holy. Guess what? You're already walking eternal life. Guess what? You've already been judged. Guess what? Everything's good. Guess what? You can do the stuff Jesus did. Guess what? You and Jesus are brothers. Guess what? You're seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Guess what? That's far above all principalities, powers, and every spiritual wickedness. There's nothing that's not under your feet. Guess what? Michael, the archangel has to be subject to you. Guess what? When you read Revelation, then we've seen John fall down at the feet of the angel and try to worship him. He said, get up, man. Don't do that. Don't get up. Get up. This is John, not John, this is Revelations 19, I think it's 19, 19, 9 or 10. Fell down to worship me. He said, get up. No, man, I'm your fellow servant. In other words, I'm, a, I'm that fellow that's supposed to serve you. He says, listen, because he, he understood. No, you 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 are sons of God. You are, you are made in the image of God. We weren't made in the image of God. See, the Bible says, to which of the angels did he say at any time today I have begotten you? He didn't say that to any angels. This is, this is Hebrews chapter 1. To which of the angels had, he said at any time today I've begotten you. But yet yeah, he said that to a man. That man Jesus, whom you are just like him. Because Jesus didn't call himself the son of God. He called himself the son of man. So if the son of man is being declared to be, to be begotten of God. <laughs> man, okay, all right. This is becoming, becoming uh, redundant. Okay, so um, we are also the sons of God. John 1, 19. But as many as received him, to him he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them which, which believe on his name. That's John 1, 12. John first John 3, 1 and 2 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world, can, uh, the world didn't know us, Because it didn't know him. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. When? In the by and by? Somewhere in the hereafter. Like later, God, later when we get judged, God gonna do this judgment thing and he gonna say, okay, now y'all sons. Beloved, now we are the sons of God. And guess what? It doesn't yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. Right now, I'm going to tell you right now, you're, you're not impressed with Jesus because you don't know what he looks like right now. But when you see him, you don't look like him right now, not fully. And we're striving to do what he did and to, and to come into that revelation of God as, as Papa and to do the things that Jesus did. But, but we're going to always be really grasping for the fullness of that image until we see him. And then we're going to be fully like he is. But guess what? That doesn't change the fact that you are now the sons of God. Right now. Right now, beloved, now we are the sons of God. That's First John 3, 2. Therefore, if any man be... This is uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Behold, old things have passed away, and behold, all things are new. You are new. You are uh, You are a creature that didn't exist before. It existed in Adam, and then Adam died. So the world hasn't seen... And then Jesus came, and they saw it again, but then, but then he, was, he, was, he died and was resurrected and came off the scene, but then he multiplied us. Adam didn't even have a chance to produce children before he fell. But now here we are. But the problem is we don't know fully who we are. This is identity. Jesus, you will know you. By looking at Jesus, Jesus didn't just come here to prove he was God. He came to show you what sonship looked like and daughtership so that you can do what Jesus did. He came as your example. Jesus came to show you what was possible. Otherwise, why would he say, These things that I do, you shall do in greater works because I go to the Father? There is potential. Right now, you see yourself as a nut. But you don't see yourself as a, as an oak tree. <laughs> I know that was bad, wasn't it? Some of y'all got to. The... So we're we'll looking at we looking at that little nut, that little we looking at that little little seed, and we're thinking that's us right there. We don't know what this really is, but everything that the oak tree tree is, that acorn is. And that's who you are. You haven't fully seen who you are. And I think when you, until, and I think there's a great move, and I say this prophetically, there's a great move of God towards identity. I'm hearing this more and more, and you're going to hear this more and more. That problem is identity. The problem is identity. The problem is identity. The devil's after identity. He was after Eve's identity. He was after Jesus' identity. If you be the son of God. Turn this stone into bread. He's after your identity. And the fact is that he's kept you clouded from seeing your identity. You have all just remained slaves born again. But power.